Hello, everyone. My name is Rudy Rosica, and welcome to the next episode of Deep Dive. I have three guests today, Rafael, Jack, and Andres, who are all student veterans here with me at Syracuse University. And today we're going to talk about their background in the military, the branch, what they did, the best and worst times in the military, the best and worst times in college. And if they could go back, would they still get out or would they they stay in? So I'm going to start off with uh, my friend today, Rafael. You just tell me like what branch you're in and what'd you do? Yeah, uh, it's Rayfield here. Uh, I was in the Marine Corps for about nine years. Um, I started out as a military policeman, just conducting basic military policeman duties. Got a deployment out of it and then I went uh, Marine Security Guard. So we did embassy duty. I did that for a few years and then got out 2021 and then uh, came to Syracuse where I'm studying forensic science and psychology. Why did you join the Marines? Uh, well, so my mom and we have a big art military presence in my family, like my mom and my older siblings, they were all in the army. So my mom didn't want me to go to the army because of what my siblings had experienced. And so I didn't want to go air force just cause it, I don't know. I, didn't, I went to the Navy recruiter. He didn't seem like he was very involved with me. So <laughs> then one Sunday and Marine Corps recruiter showed up to my door and we started talking. It's like, Hey, this sounds like a good gig and became the first Marine in my family. Sounds good. So I'll turn to Jack. Hi, this is uh, Jack Polano, and um, I did join the Air Force, and I completed about four years in the Air Force, and I joined as a 2F, which is fuels, and I was lucky enough to be stationed in Okinawa, Japan, which is one of the five bases in the Air Force that allows fueler, fueling members to try out for a special duty job called FARP, F-A-R-P, Forward Area Refueling Point, which is a method of refueling that Air Force Special Operations Command uses um, for their missions. And I did that job for about two and a half to three years, and it was amazing. And after that, um, I did want to get out and come to Syracuse, which was a good choice. So I'm going to ask you, too, why Air Force? Air Force, uh, it was just it was an easy decision for me. Um, my father was in the Air Force, and I didn't really have any desire to join the Army. I think the Marines was interesting. I didn't quite look at it. It was just dad was in the Air Force. And then when I was thinking about the recruiter, it was just the first one that came to my mind and stayed in my mind was the Air Force. And I think that was a a good decision. Cool. Thank you. Andres? Yeah. Uh, This is Andres. Uh, I was in the Navy for four years, uh, keeping the branches diverse here. Um, Although I guess you were in the Navy. Uh, I, uh, I went to DLI, the Defense Language Institute, and studied Arabic for a year and a half. Uh, it's where I met my wife. Uh, I loved it there. Had a lot of fun. I mean, you're in Monterey, California, so it's hard. It's beautiful there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're stressed out in school, but weekends are fun. Uh, came up short on my DLPT, so I got a 1 plus, 1 plus, 1 plus, um, which means I can kind of read, kind of listen, and kind of write, or, or speak, sorry, Arabic. Um, so they uh, cross-rated me to CS, which is cook functionally. Um, Long story short, they found I could do math and that I wasn't great at cooking. Uh, I'm, I'm, you're, everyone thinks they're good at cooking, and most people are good at cooking. Uh, it's just it's different when you have to cook for thousands of people at a time. Uh, so they moved me to cargo. I worked in inventory and supply, uh, kind of stuff on the USS George H.W. Bush for two years. Got a deployment out of it uh, in 2017, and uh, got out in 2018. Let's see. I uh, came here in 2019. Uh, I finished my undergrad a couple years uh, before I, I joined the Navy, so I... I looked at all the schools. I, I, I looked at IR rankings, so who's good at teaching IR, poli-sci. Uh, and Syracuse came up as a good combo between my interests and also they had an ROTC uh, unit here. So I, I thought I was going to go back in, join the Army. Um, 
like some of y'all said, I had a bad experience with a recruiter, so I thought I wanted to join the Army back in the day. Um, I didn't like the Army recruiter. He's like, oh, no, there's no way you can do that well on the ASVAB. I was pretty confident. I was like, I think I can do pretty well. Uh, and the guy was like, no way, like, get out of here. Uh, so I was like, okay, I'll get out of here. So I, he didn't mean it literally, but I, I took it literally. I spoke to the Navy. Um, so it's funny how that worked. Anyways, thought I'd come back here. Decided not to do the ROTC program, so half the reason I came here I didn't follow through with. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm here, and I'm in grad schools too, so I, I decided to stick around and do the dual MPA MAR program, which is a Master of Public Administration and a Master of Arts in International Relations. So, Where were you stationed? So DLI was in Monterey, California, and the, the boat, uh, the USS George W. Bush, um, it's an aircraft carrier stationed in Norfolk, Virginia. So I was there for... Well, I was there for two years, but I went on deployment and we went on underways. So I think I, I did the math and I think I was like six days shy of being literally half in, half out. So No, I, I know exactly what you mean because, uh, so for those who don't know, I was in the Navy, I was attached to a submarine and exactly what you did, I was there for technically on paper like four and a half years, <laughs> but I was underwater for two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was only in Hawaii for like two and a half-ish years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, I enjoyed it. Um, anyway, so it's cool to hear you guys' uh, branch and what you guys did a little bit. So, Ralph, would you like to say what was the best time or moment or week while in the Marine? There's so many to choose from, man. I, I, I mean, I think the first one was, uh, so boot camp, we have a culminating event. It's called the Crucible. Uh, but basically, it's like three days of like pure hell. Um, you know, you're out in the field doing stuff and whatnot, and then you come back on a, a arduous hike, hike, to say the least. Um but, you know, afterwards they give you a little ceremony and then your DIs go down the line and they bring out this wooden box that like an EGA is sticking on. And, uh, you know, you're standing there at uh, parade rest and they, you, you know, hop to and they hand it in your hand. You know, they put it in your hand and all that and then like shake your hand like, congratulations, Marine. And that and then I think that's when it hits you like, oh, damn, you know, I just I just did something like one. I never thought I could do like growing up. I never thought I could be a Marine because I thought I viewed them as like men's men. Um which they are. No, but, uh, you know, so it, that was pretty cool. Like, I won't lie, I choked up a little bit. Like, you know, this is really cool. But, um, I mean, there's that. And then uh, so on deployment, I was part of a forensics team. So we call it we're explo- exploitation analysis cell. It's called EAC. We call ourselves the Eek Nerds. Um, but we take stuff in from the battlefields and we process it for, you know, forensic evidence. Um, you know, it was good days where when we came back and um we can conduct air raids from those so we got um almost a dozen successful air raids from the stuff that we were able to do and like those are really good days like just actually seeing like our hard work pay off and you know go to something um like a cause you know that we were actually fighting for so that those were good days very interesting uh with jack um i think i have pretty similar um good days with that like the first I think the happiest time that I could remember was, you know, at the end of a uh, boot camp instead of it wasn't with the, the DI, but it was our parents tapped you out um, when we saw them for the first time after Air Force seven weeks, oh, might be like eight weeks, <laughs> but, you know, seeing your parents after that first, you know, block away from them and you just feel like a completely new person. And seeing them for the first time just makes your makes your heart full and, and real happy to see them. And then going on, there was a lot of good memories in in the military. I think you know they say you always you remember the good times and you don't really remember those the bad days. But you just 
look back on the fond memories you have. And I think being deployed, uh, I deployed with as a three-man team. There were two other members, and just seeing the effect that we had uh, and the, the feeling of why we're important to the mission that is occurring, it makes you feel happy and fulfilled with what you're doing. And then going back to one of the fondest memories I do have in the military um, goes back to the story. I think it was 2019. We were doing this space-wide exercise and it had been a real long day we were up at i think like 4 30 setting up and our farp team consists of like nine guys about and we were doing exercises with aircraft all day and at the end we were informally invited to the post exercise gathering of the masses which included the base general who was a one-star general uh Colonels, all the pilots that were incorporated into the exercises, and all of the crewmen, really. And there was nine of us, and there were out. There was going to be drinks served after a little ceremony, and so we showed up. Our thing was wearing Hawaiian T-shirts when we went out. It's like, oh, when we go on a little TDYs, we brought our Hawaiian T-shirts, and. So we're like, we're going to, of course, we're going to wear, toss on our Hawaiian tees and go out there. What we didn't know is it was the uniform of the day. So there was nine of us, and we were peering into this door of this auditorium just filled with top-level military members, all in uniform (laughs) and all looking very serious. And we sat there for about 30 seconds and decided if we were going to go in or not. But we were like, screw it. They're either going to get mad or they're going to love it. So we all walked in and sat nervously in the back while one member of our team goes down the aisle to the one open seat in the middle. And I actually have a photo of him. And he just kind of, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, sir, excuse me. And he sits down right in the middle. And we're all just sitting in the back a little nervous. Until we got a like, shout out from one of the one of the guys talking, he's like, "Man, shout out to those guys in the back, all rolling up with Hawaiian tees," and it was just, it was just a funny memory. It was a something I look back on, and it makes me smile. So I really like that one. Cool, nice. Um, being mischievous was always fun, <laughs> uh, especially when you're expected to be serious. I think. Similarly, uh, at the end of boot camp, it just felt really nice, you know, switching your ball cap over from the recruit ball cap to the Navy ball cap. Um, uh, it, you know, before in my life, I felt like I had set goals and come up short in a lot of things. And I still felt like I was doing a good job. It's just not like uh, reaching my, my, my goals. And I felt like the end of boot camp was one of those, like, I set a goal and I attained it. You know, like I, I set out to do something and I did exactly what I said I was going to do. So just fulfilling that was uh, it meant it meant a lot to me because um, I had been away from my parents for a little while. I was in college for a couple of years before I joined the Navy, um, so it, it, I didn't feel the same uh, sort of like detachment from my family than most other people. It was the second oldest person. There was a practically senior in our uh, in our little boot camp division. It was like 33 years old, and then it was me, the 21 year old. Um, so I 
I didn't feel that, but it, it definitely felt uh, like, you know, I finally did exactly what I said I was going to do. Uh, so that was pretty cool. And then being on deployment, it just felt, you know, there's a lot that I hated about deployment. No, no one's like, oh, this is amazing. I love, yeah. you know, everything that's happening right now. Uh, but I don't know what deployment was like for you or just your general service for you guys. But in the Navy, everyone has a collateral, like a bunch of collateral duties. So, yes, I, you know, I had to maintain an inventory and bust out supplies every day. Um, but then, like, bells would go off and there'd be a fire when we were in port. So I wasn't, I didn't have a, a like, a battle station or anything on the on the ship when we were out to sea, but I was on the um, import uh, responding to fires or floods or what was it, whatever was going on, uh, the import emergency team, IET, uh, or something called uh, the Snoopy team, so the ship's nautical or otherwise photographic identification and examination team. So anytime we were out on the water and we saw an Iranian drone or a uh, Russian boat, we had a Russian boat following us for most deployment, um, I'd have to run up 13 decks to the top of the mass and take pictures and video of these things. And so like doing those little things felt very fulfilling because the ship requires a million tasks every day, whether it's an aircraft carrier or a submarine or, you know, any sort of ship you need to do a lot and you only have a limited amount of people. So doing that, I think was, was what felt the most fulfilling, fulfilling to me for sure. Um, that, and then obviously getting to see the videos, I have a bunch of videos somewhere on like a hard drive at home mm. of all the pilots running their bombing campaign. So like knowing that we were supporting that and like helping those planes go and basically just contributing to the mission. Just, I think that's probably my highlight. Um, obviously I got to meet my wife <laughs> in the Navy. I got to make some like really strong friends that a level of strength you just don't match outside of the service um, or other like serious hardships. You know, you can't just say like, oh, I took a class with you. So now we're going to be best friends for life no matter what. I know you're never going to leave me. Like that's something that you only get from someone that's like, I'm going to go into, I never had to respond to like a a fire, but you look at people when you're training every day and, and you're like, someday I might have to go into a fire and I might have to trust you or a flood or something like that. And so you don't have that connection with random people. And that's another highlight for sure is, you know, having those bonds that can't be broken. It is pretty interesting how you say like you joined the branch for whatever for whatever job you pick and all right, here's your job. Here's a quite a bit of extra jobs you gotta do. <laughs> yeah. Was that yeah. the same for the Marines and Air Force? Oh, absolutely, man. That's pretty insane. Mm-hmm. Like like for my job in the Navy when I first picked up the job, I was like I like I'm gonna I wanna know when I'm gonna do a couple years and get out for the, mm-hmm. for college. Like I want the easiest job I could possibly do. <laughs> Like oh logistics oh man that's easy whatever I'll do it with hazmat and and parts and budgeting whatever all right here's a summary like oh more money <sighs> easy day let's do this <laughs> and I got there like oh, you're in charge of a giant packet to learn just how a submarine works and like the very basics of like the reactor about like ACDCs about turbine engines uh, whatever the case may be hydraulics. I was like, ah, oh, man, maybe I messed up. But, uh, <laughs> but I definitely think like one of the best things for me from my time in the Navy was, one, everything I experienced outside of the Navy. Like I had to live in Hawaii for a couple years, and that was a blast. Like Hawaii is one of my favorite places in the world now. And then um, I think the Navy taught me like the work ethic and just anything is possible were one of the best things that came out with the Navy. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure, mm-hmm. for sure. So Ralph, uh, so I heard your best time. 
what's about like your worst time where you're like man when you were in the suck you're like wow this really sucks like i know everybody's taught to embrace the suck and just keep charging move yeah. forward or like, oh man, this is gonna be like, this is contemplating me, like I'm just gonna separate from the military for sure after this. Yeah. Well, I don't even know. Like, I mean, it's, if that even happened to. I don't. I mean, I think everyone has those days, and like what Jack said is, you remember more like the good than the bad. Um, I mean, everyone obviously has those shitty days. I, I know one story sticks out to me because it was it was the first day of boot camp, like so with Marine Corps. You know, I don't know how it is for everyone else, but you show up on these buses, you get off, and you have those famous yellow footprints. Well, you know, you're staring at these doors and all that, and you go inside, and you're just bombarded with all this stuff. Well, um, we're making a phone call back home, and uh, so I call the parents. It's like midnight right now, too, and they expected us to write, remember our social security card. Um, you know, with all this chaos going, I'm sleep-deprived. I have no idea what's going on right now. I, I keep putting down the wrong number. And that I put it down like four or five times, and that next thing you know, this female <laughs> DI comes up and is like, "This is your social security number," just like <laughs> pissing myself. And like, so I, it wasn't a like in the moment, like this is like the worst thing ever. But like looking back, it's just ho- this hilarious story, um, dude. I don't, I'm all, I'll let you keep talking about it. Yeah. Same thing happened to me. Really? I did not memorize my social before going there. Yeah. And I did it. I, I said it wrong. I read, wrote it wrong consecutively, exactly the same, like five times. Same, man. I was like convinced in my head, this is definitely it. <laughs> I was like, that's for sure it. Like, yeah. I don't know what else it would be. Like, I don't know how they found out what my number was. Like, good for them. But like, it was just like one number off, too. And yeah. it's just like, oh, shit. Dude, by the time I left Boot Camp, I had two packets, like, about two people. Yeah. And I was like, oh, both me. But I'm like, worst case scenario is like, when, when, and, uh, we deployed like everything out with that was pretty fun. I think the guys there with it was made it easy. The workups were like the worst thing about it though. Like I don't know if it was for they same for everyone else, but we went to good old twenty nine palms and it was the middle of the winter. And if I don't know if you've ever been to the high desert in the wintertime, it's freezing. Like daytime's like sixty, seventy degrees and that night times drops down to like thirty. And uh, so you're uh, so we're in the back of a seven ton sleeping, yeah, which wasn't the smartest idea because the deck freezes. So you're shivering, just like <laughs> bundled up next to like five guys and that. <laughs> but it was another funny story though out of this too. Too, it's pitch black and we have the gate down. But if you have never been on the back of a seven ton, it's like five feet tall. Um, you have to hop up in there. But like one story was, uh, it was like the middle of the night. And one dude falls off the back of it. <laughs> but I mean, I, I think with that, that's like. Looking back, like you have these funny stories out of like bad situations and that, and like honestly, they weren't even that bad. And when you're going through, yeah, they suck. But looking back, you can laugh at them. Well, that's definitely a good perspective. To look at it. Like, yeah. Just, I feel like just whatever you make out of it. Exactly. One day you'll, you know you'll laugh at it. Mm-hmm, at that sure. time, you may not think that, but yeah, definitely will. At the time, you're like, this is the worst thing that ever happened to me, man. Like this sucks. And then you're like, uh, oh, okay, that was pretty funny. I have a similar answer. I, I can't look back and, and pick one day as, as this day is the worst day of my military experience. There are plenty of days where, you know, you're being worked and you're just like, damn, this really, this really sucks. And you know, it's going to be that way tomorrow. And maybe the day after that, but it's not going to last forever. And in the time it does suck, but looking back on it now and where I, we are all now as students, I think without that, it wouldn't, we'd be much different people and you could pick out a handful of days where, you know, where I'm in a situation where I'm, it's cold and SEER training, for example, I would not want to Which do is that again. What? SEER stands for survival 
evasion, resistance, and escape. It's a three-week course. Not all of it is in the field, but a majority, there's a good portion of it. And any of those field days, you could, you could pick and could hypothetically be the worst day. But I don't look at those days as, oh, I really hated it. Going through it, I did, and I wanted it to be over. But looking back on it, it was probably the best training I ever received that the military provided for me. And I wouldn't trade that experience, even though it did suck quite considerably. But it was it was a good experience. And looking back now, like, oh, man, I'm, I have to write a paper or I have to do this homework. Math doesn't make yeah. any sense. <laughs> but at least I'm not dirty and cold or my body is being um, put in just positions that are incredibly painful. So I can't label one worse day, but... I think they all accumulate to be something to build build you as a person. So you take hard days and and you you move on. No, that's definitely interesting how you guys are putting it because I think now that I'm out of the military and I'm in college, I kind of live like a saying like like uh, I don't know if I read it, but I'm pretty sure like just heard it multiple times put together. I try my best to live in the present mm-hmm. but plan for the future. Because not every day is going to be the best day of your life, but it's whatever you guys make of it. And mm-hmm. I think I would never even thought of this unless, like you guys said, of the all the bad days or not the bad, but not the best of days in the military. Because even if I don't understand math, worst case scenario, like I go to some tutoring, I don't get the best grade in the class, mm-hmm. but my body is not in, in harm. You know, I'm not going to get yelled at. I'm not going to get reduction of pay. <laughs> it doesn't it matters but it doesn't physically matter to my body yeah. or my life you get to go home take a shower you have some nice warm food waiting for you you yeah. know you cuddle up with your wife or your significant other you know you're not dirty after 45 days of being in the <laughs> field starving you know yeah Andres yeah uh, I think a distinction for me when you sent us questions and I was you know trying to prep some answers a distinction for me wasn't rough days because uh, everyone has those for sure it was the the rough days that either didn't have to happen like they could have been preventable under a good leadership because um, that was a highlight of my time on the ship was bad leadership um, some of it in just like a, oh I disagree with the way you're doing this and some of it like there were like sexual abuse uh, investigations that came out of it we called uh, the the bush was CVN 77 bush some of us called it cell block 77 because a lot of people got investigated and kicked like a lot of leadership got kicked out uh, officers and uh, senior listed so there were those days when it was like oh, I got to put up with these guys and I can't do anything about it but the worst was when I, when we had to put up with stuff and it didn't either it didn't have to happen or it wasn't for any good um, and that was something that was was pretty frustrating um, we pulled into port in Greece uh, Suda Bay and <laughs> the boat's pulling up and we're just all hanging out in the hangar bay like Oh, that looks so amazing. I can't wait to get out there. I'm going to eat so much, like, shawarma and euro. Like, oh, it's going to be great. Like, I'm going to have tzatziki sauce coming out of my ears. This is amazing. Because, you know, you've been eating boat food for a couple weeks. Off into the, like, over the, the horizon of the hill or the, the crest of the hill is just 18-wheelers waiting to bring supplies onto the boat. We had over 400 pallets that had to come onto the boat. So we were up for, you know, like, 48 hours. And that's 
everyone like has those periods. It's fine. It was the it was the fact that it was a leadership mistake, and he was like not taking the you know taking accountability for like hey I messed up. That stuff just got annoying. Being with bad leadership, uh, those were those were rough days when it was like we would have to take accountability for other people's mistakes. That's fine, but they wouldn't accept that it was their mistake uh, or or they didn't even see it. Um, just dealing with bad leadership was was always a rough one. And then I know that this always comes up in, in veteran conversations for sure. Um, and I feel like uh, a lot of veterans discussions are talking about suicide nowadays. Uh, but seeing uh, people that I was in with take their own life, that was always a, a pretty rough one too. Um, the the two that I can think of happened once I was out. So wasn't on the uh, on the ship at the time. Um, but, you know, that was always, that always is like, definitely up there for for rough times as well no i definitely agree like having poor leadership makes a huge difference like while i was there it didn't happen but shortly after i left um you know unfortunately a guy lived uh you know an hour from me in california he uh, took a shotgun to his chest because he was just too tired of it and this guy I deployed with and so i feel like if you're going through a summer deployment you should i mean there's not too much that should bother you because you lived underwater for a long mm-hmm. time like like yeah yeah like depression, like we should get depressed because you've been we've been without sunlight for so long and not the best of food and best of atmosphere and like so it really mm-hmm. was kind of shocking to me like wow something must be like, really crazy. And when I went to his funeral, I talked to his parents and it was just it was really tough. But all that happened because of the poor leadership in the mm-hmm. Navy. And I think in the military, people think oh it must be the best leaders. But that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. Which I'm sure every single one of you guys had not the best leader at some point in your mm-hmm. time. And you know, luckily. I mean, not luckily because it should never happen, but that captain really got fired, and it was a big, a big investigation. Mm-hmm. Um, but so one of my mo- not the best days in the military was um, so I was we're driving at Periscope Depth, which is you know just enough for submarine scope to come out of the water. We're on a mission, and I was like, it's me and one guy to the right of me, and the one senior guy, and make sure we don't mess up because sometimes. People just get to, like, I don't know what happened after like, a small time. They go crazy and just go down. I, I, we've gone like 50 feet down. Like, oh, what's, what's going on here? And people just rush out like, hey, well, what, the, what the heck? It's a big deal. And uh, we're there for like eight hours. Just, and we're, we had to make sure just the scope comes out just enough so we don't get counter detected. So we were there for eight hours, me and the guy, because we were like, we're the senior dudes at that point. So we were expected to be the best. And we were pretty much the best in that, in that submarine. But it was expected to be their longest. So we're and people are praising us. Oh my god, you guys really did really good for those eight hours straight driving. And there's no TV in front of us, just gauges, like compasses, depth, whatever. And at the end of the eight hours, all right, guys, go clean for an hour. All right, so I, I went and cleaned the restroom. I handed the toilet and everything, which was actually a great deal <laughs> because it sucks clean like the engine room because it's so oily and dirty. I'm like, oh, this sucks. You always get cut from something and it's just cut your hand. I don't know why. So like, oh, I'll clean the toilet, whatever, for an hour. And then someone had the magic idea. You know what? Make this uh, group clean for five hours in the engine room. Just for the fun of it. So we cleaned for six hours that day. So I was being praised at one point and then treated terrible just a couple hours later. And I felt like mentally, this is, this is ridiculous. Like... How was I praised one moment and the next moment on my hand and mud and like not mud, but like oil under the deck place? Like this sucks. 
And then afterwards, at that point in time, I slept by a torpedo, which I don't know if ever touched a torpedo, but it is, I don't matter how much you cuddle with it, it does not get warm. <laughs> and I was like, this sucks. And then like, and so I had like two inches on top of me because we had to just slide directly in. Mm-hmm. And uh, because in summer, it's two, it's, it's three people per two beds. But if you see by a torpedo, you get your own bed. I was like, you know what? I'm going to do that. I never know I'm going to do that. And no, I understand why no one wanted to do it. Because you have no headset. I've hit my forehead so many times at the night. And I go to, and it's just terrible. But I'm, this experience, I'm glad I went through. And even though that wasn't the worst of times, but it was a time I remember like, wow, this just, like, it was like mentally like, wow, how can I get praised and shit on the same day? For doing nothing wrong, it just this just because of my rank because I'm enlisted. Mm-hmm. Be, I don't know, so I just kind of kind of mad. I give kudos to you guys in the navy. Like I, I never went on a ship, thank God. Uh, but like especially being on a sub or like even a smaller ship, I feel like you can't get away from that atmosphere. Yeah, you know. So real quick, Rudy, you would rather sleep in a small space than, or you'd rather hot rack than sleep in a small space. I would after yeah. going through that experience because it's just uh, at least in the hot rack. What hot rack just means just three for two beds. You have like you know like at least six inches on top of your head, mm-hmm. so you could have your phone on you. There's no internet or anything, but you could look at your photos. You could play games on your phone. You see by a torpedo, there's no space in front of you, and there's still people working there. Yeah, yeah. so you're gonna hear them talk and do stuff, mm-hmm. and people just come like BS with them about like, yeah. So uh, what did you think of food today? Yeah, it was like three old three day old rice. It sucked, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, whatever. But uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Can you uh, elaborate on that three people for two beds thing? Because I'm trying to yeah, bro, trying to make a picture in my head, and yeah. it sounds like three people are sharing. Two yeah, beds. if the math isn't making sense to you, that's. It's because it doesn't make oh, wait, sense. Is yeah. it, do they like vary? They rotate like, through. We rotate through. So you're sleeping in the same like bed as yeah. So like a, someone. of us, uh, say three of us are sleeping. As soon as you got to go work, I immediately jumped in your bed, <laughs> nice and warm already for me. Oh, so it's called heart racking. Yeah. yeah, and and uh, it's not like I take your sheets off. I put my sheets on top of yours. Some people are really dirty and say, ah, screw it. I'm just gonna sleep on directly on his. I believe mm-hmm. that. And then, uh, but even worse, like, it's not the worst, but, like, it kind of sucks is you only have, the racks are, like, six feet tall, long. So, if, like, I was, like, it was perfect for me, but the people that are six three are, like, man, they're, like, yeah, just. I'm, I'm, like, six pr- two, dude. I'm, yeah, they're yeah, crushed. crushed. up in a ball. And only that, the rack only was only, because on, on the ship, how deep was your rack? Uh, ours is, like, half the size of yours. Yeah, I I I, I, I could like you can't roll over. You got to get in in yeah. the orientation you want to stay in. Because I because I went, I tore the one of the ships in Hawaii and I was like, man, this rack's pretty deep. You could hold a lot of stuff in there. Because our, <laughs> if yours is like twelve inches, ours is like six inches. Mm. And but because you share, you only get like half to a third of the rack. So you have six inches by three feet, and for six months, and it's all the space you have. So you got really got a rolling tie and just putting. Making do with a little bit of space. That's a hard pass for me, dog. They should really advertise that before you join the Navy. Yeah. Uh, right? yeah. yeah. And then, so, like, I feel like the, like, a big, like, so I feel like the worst community you're part of, the more, like, things they have to motivate you. Because one of the things that in the summer they say, we do less, we do more or less. I'm like, wow, I was so proud of that while I was there. But now I'm like, this is so dumb. Why did I, why did I, why did I want this? Why was I so, uh, like happy and proud of that time, which I am proud of looking back. But like, it's uh, they really breed some mariners. I'm sure a lot of you know far from sure the same. Where like to just be angry and and just just dominate. I'm better than you because of this, and I'm prove it to you. I'm gonna treat you terrible, and it's and it shows in our leadership because they 
I went through terrible stuff. I'm going to treat you terrible. So when, shit, when stuff hits the fan out to see, you're going to have my back. And like, I kind of get that saying. But then I, once I got like, so I went in, I got there like at 19. Once I became like 20, 21, I was like, no, this is pretty dumb. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to treat people like I'm feeling good. And then hopefully when things hit the fan, they're still prepared. But they still have to earn, you know, their dolphins and their chest shows. You, they know something in and out. But, like, you know, luckily all the fires that happened, which there was, like, fires and floodings and something, which was terrifying. But everybody handled their job pretty well. Mm. And the guy that treated me terrible, like, man, dude, I'm, I'm going to walk a little <laughs> extra slower to help you. Like, <laughs> so, let's say we all separate at this point, where we all, all are. What was your best day, Raphael, in college? Oh, For a moment. Best day. Uh, I mean, I think... Uh, it was honestly the end of the first semester. So I started in the fall of 2021. Um, it'd be my first semester at Syracuse. I already had done college before, online school, which I, I don't recommend, but to each their own. Um, just um, so coming in, like obviously I hadn't been to school at this point almost 10 years. Uh, so it was weird stepping into that shoes and then I have to go to the class and all these expectations. And with me, I think. The reason why I want to care, come to Syracuse is kind of for the name. Like, you know, back home, people are very familiar with They know Syracuse and then they think of it as this, you know, grandiose uh, school, which, I mean, it's a good school and all that. Um, but I wanted the challenge. So, um, you know, I worked hard through the semester and all that. Um, I ended up getting a C in stats, but whatever this, what it is. But I ended up making a dean's list. And I was like, you know what? I can actually do this shit. You know, like this isn't really that bad. Like, yeah, there's bad days or there's days where you're overwhelmed and all that. But it's like at the end of the day, like this is kind of easy. It's kind of like a break from the real world, you know, because um, if you want to go like the middle day, you go home, take a nap or something like that. Um, springtime came around and again, I put my nose to the grind in that. and that this time I got an A in stats and actually ended up getting all A's in the spring semester. I was like, yo, congratulations. Yeah, man. Thanks. Yeah. So I thought I was going to get a B in my writing class, but I got somehow got an A with that. But I will take it. So. Yeah. Thank God for curving, huh? Yeah, right. I was like, "Hey, that would be my. Those would be. I think those two be like best days in the school thus far." Right on. It is like when you get like a good grade or a good like set of grades, it just builds a little confidence. Like, wow, like yeah. Even though I'm a couple years uh, outside the traditional time Mm -hmm. frame, I'm. This is definitely possible for me. Like, I'm not just some dumb veteran. Like, I could go do this. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty cool. Uh, Jack, Uh, I have to say, I think it has to be the end of summer class, which kind of marked, I'm going to consider as my first full year, although I did the full fall semester and spring semester, then I did the summer courses, and uh, I started Syracuse in August of 2021, and I finished summer in August of 2022, and I think just seeing that, that first year is behind me, I'm now uh, halfway through my sophomore year. It really kind of builds that momentum going forward, saying I can. This is this is something achievable. Um, that first spring or the first fall semester that I started here, it was again um, like most veterans. I was I've been removed from high school for a majority of of some years, and just getting back into the flow of I have to learn new things. I had to get back on the studying and all that extracurricular stuff that is required. I didn't quite do that my first semester. I got 
reasonable grades, but I understood that it was a it was upon myself to be better. So I really took it more seriously going into the spring and the summer. And since I did that, I can you know successfully say that I haven't achieved a grade lower than an A, which I didn't think was achievable for me. But it is, and uh, I think looking back at when I was in the military, it was like that big leap of faith you're taking. And if you're not going to commit yourself to what you're doing, then there's no reason in doing it. And um, seeing yourself be where you want to be, it, it builds that momentum to push you into uh, this spring, fall semester that we're in now, and, and then uh, next spring, and uh, until graduation. Yeah, you're right. It's like a, definitely a momentum. Like you feel like you build confidence as a student. Like something we did in the military. Like, oh, can I really do this through boot camp? Do you make it through boot camp? But like, well, that's stage one. And let's see if I get to my actual command, how I can do it. And I feel like, like you're saying, semester by semester, like you build your confidence and you learn how to be a student again. It's a, it's a learning curve. The way that the military was a learning curve. Mm-hmm. I have had personally quite a bit of class with Jack, and I've seen a difference in him just as a, as a peer, at like how serious he takes school and it's not. He underestimated himself his first semester. He did not get bad grades whatsoever. He still got like high Bs, and now he's just in the A range. So, but it just like you just see like his first semester to second semester. I'm sure every single veteran is like that. It's just a little learning curve and building confidence to be around students again. Who are a couple years younger than you, uh, Andres? What is your best moments or time since you've been a student? Yes. Sort of like the Navy, seeing my work pay off, just like you guys have said. Um, when I came here, you know, I, I talked about how before I had come up short on things. I didn't always have good grades going to school before, both in high school and in college when I went to college for a little bit. So when I came here, you know, I wanted to be at a prestigious university, Syracuse University, an, an R1 school. It's one of the top 100 research universities in the country, you know, and, and all the stats you hear about Syracuse. Uh, and I'm in Maxwell, so I also am surrounded by high rankings this, high rankings that. And so I liked being around that. Um, you know, just like when you're in the Navy uh, or your branch or anything in life, you like being around people who are doing well at something. You know, it's it's not fun hanging out with people who, like, are failing at all their stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty inherent. Uh, so I thought that, you know, if I want to go somewhere and succeed, maybe I should go somewhere where other people are succeeding or they're succeeding and, and emulate that. So it, I would have to say that my, my top experience has been the end of the first semester back in 2019. Uh, dean's list and then the invest in success scholarship all that good stuff from getting good grades um, I was invited to a little table and I spoke to a lady I ended up joining the honors program and so that was also a pretty, uh, pretty cool milestone in my experience you know saying uh, I always thought that was for like oh smart people and I'm not one of those as opposed to wait I can do this and I might not be the smartest person in the room but it's sort of like a the military instilled a certain amount of stubbornness in me. And it's like, okay, you know, you might be able to figure out that stats thing really quickly. I won't, but I'm going to stay up until two o'clock in the morning and I'm going to just like, you know, pound this book into my brain, whether it's stats or like readings for classes and whatnot, and just being stubborn about everything. Um, and selfish and things that you would normally say, oh, you shouldn't do those. Those aren't good morals to have, but I don't know, uh, being selfish with school and prioritizing yourself in school and not spreading yourself too thin. Um, and this is going to sound like a complete 180, but also doing a lot while you're in school. Again, maybe for yourself, um, but I was taking a max course load, uh, you know, the fall of 20, the fall of 2020, um, 
my my first senior semester, I think I was in 21 or 22 credits between a bunch of stuff that added up. And that semester, I had like a 395. I had one A minus, I think. And and it wasn't because, oh, I'm like really smart or I'm, you know, whatever. It's, it was, uh, I made sure that I didn't have any spare time. And it, it was a momentum thing. I felt like I was constantly going from one to the next. And yes, I was tired by, you know, December came around and I took my last final and I felt, I think I must have slept for like 16 hours. <laughs> but, you know, because back then I didn't have a baby. Uh, but, you know, uh, it was like, uh, you just, you, you got to push yourself and keep that momentum going. Um, so I would say the two, the two times that I'm most proud of myself or I've, I've really been the happiest um, is seeing my work come to fruition at the end of the first semester and saying, you know, I got really good grades and then gra- and like carrying that on grade wise and then applying to grad schools and getting into the three that I applied to. Um, and it just continuing to sort of shock myself and say like, wait, if I put my mind to something and I, and I do everything on my task list towards a goal, wait a second, like I can achieve those goals. So, uh, that, that's the other thing that the morning that I woke up to my third notification. I, I found out I got into Syracuse last out of the three, American, Johns Hopkins, and, and Maxwell. Um, I found out I got into Syracuse in the morning, and I was like, uh, I just took a minute. You know, I had my laptop next to my desk because I fell asleep refreshing because I was supposed to find out the day before. Um, and I, I woke up, and I just stood there for a second, and it was like, you know, I was thinking my brain was going back through everything I went through the previous semesters to get to that point. So just seeing work manifest into your dreams is pretty cool it is pretty cool and like you know how you say you're almost like stubborn to a point but i feel like it's more like there's a saying that i heard that says that goes you have to be greater than your greatest obstacle hmm. and you definitely were you took those 21 credits and it's not like you're stubborn you're just greater you put in the time in like let's say for stats like you're yeah. not that good at the stats no. which you know i'm not, not at all <laughs> and so you have to put that extra time with tutoring on yourself, whatever it takes to be greater than your op- than your greatest obstacle, which you know is math, maybe the professor, whatever the case mm-hmm. may be. But it's on you at the end of the day if you want yeah. to pass or not, yeah. or do good. Don't worry, Jack. We got chemistry, man. <laughs> That's our next greatest obstacle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> seriously. No, it is it definitely is. Um, so for me personally, like uh, so after the Navy, I went to community college for a little bit. And um, my grades in high school were not the best, so I definitely had to go to community college. Um, I think one of my greatest moments was, one, again, so all community colleges have, like, a honor system, or, like, if you get like, above, like, a 3.6 GPA, you get into the honor society. But for community college, which is super cool, but that comes with a lot of scholarships and stuff, and it really how it looks, it looks good when you apply to four universities. And then, so when I was going... So eventually, I was uh, my second year of community college. I was started applying to all these schools, and like you know, I'm just gonna shoot my shot at Syracuse University and see what happens. It's like because my town is all pretty much all Mexicans, and the education rate is really low. And I was like, you know, not too many people in this town go to these really top, well-established universities. But I'm just give me a shot. And I applied to other schools too, not to this degree, but just as a backup. And I got in. I was like. Like you said, you just stopped and looked at it and like, wow, like I can't believe this school picked me. Like I am going to Syracuse University, and this is so awesome. And because of, I'll say later, we had one of my worst moments. Like uh, since being a student, like you know, I had I overcame like a broken leg and stuff in uh, my under in uh, my junior college, and it was like I was just so happy in that moment. I was like, this is such a huge deal for me, like my family. Like, it was awesome. So it definitely has to be like one of my best moments in college. So just to recap from what I said earlier, 
I did live in a town. I did live in a town full of Hispanics, but that doesn't mean a town full of Hispanics cannot be educated. Just, I happened to live in a town <laughs> that education was not uh, the biggest um, driving force in the town. Mm-hmm. And there was some of my friends that have really gone out to do really cool things in college, but just not the vast majority. So when I got accepted to Syracuse University, I was very proud of it, and my family was too, and my friends. All right, so we heard your best and worst times in the military. Yeah. We heard your best times in college. So what are your worst times so far as a student? Man, I don't think I have a worst time, honestly. Like, I don't, yeah, I can't think of a bad time in college, honestly. Like, obviously, there's going to be days where it's... That's a perfect simple answer because like, cause being a student is significantly easier than being... I'm not saying it's easier than being an active duty member, but it's a different type of stress or hard absolutely i think yeah. i think it is i think it's easier just because like with active duty i don't know like you can stop like if you get an f on something it's like whoop de do you know but like if you feel like active duty like a lot of catastrophic yeah. things can happen you know <laughs> yeah, so, people, potentially people die you know if yeah, you didn't do exactly. that job right yeah you know, so i don't have a bad day in college you know uh, but okay day, college but, is pretty great yeah <laughs> uh, again i think college is a break from real life you know so, yeah yeah i've had fridays off for the past you know <laughs> a year or so that's pretty good in my book i'll take that dude i feel like there's nothing like in the middle of the day you know what i'm kind of hungry or on a cup of coffee or on a smoothie i'm just gonna go get one exactly because that's yeah. like not even heard of in the military or you just like, go yeah. well i mean i guess you go to the gym in the middle of the day at the military too but like wanted to go to the gym at like you know 10 o'clock in the morning do it you know you yeah. can't do that in the military yeah mm-hmm. jack i gotta ride that wave here yeah and no bad days in college just cool. i think there's certainly tough days, hard days, just like the military. But, you know, a hard day doesn't mean it was a worse day or it was a, even a bad day. It was just a hard day. Um, I think that the frequency of hard days or more stressful days, I think, can vary for, you know, veteran to veteran, depending on what they did in, in, as their job. And now maybe their, um, their major and the course load. But I think it's the different type of of stress. I think the military was like physical, mostly a lot of physical, but then there was a lot of, of mental toughness that was instilled upon you. Um, and I think that mental toughness kind of carries forward now where, you know, you don't want to study. You don't want to keep reading the chemistry textbook or the biology textbook and try to understand a concept that just seems so large to wrap your brain around. But you sit there and, and do it anyways. I mean, I think that's that's a hard day, but it's not physically hard. It's just a different type of mentally hard. So there's not a day in college that that stands out to me as mm-hmm. that that was just a killer day. Like I don't want to do that again. It was a lot of days of studying, but knowledge is power. So <laughs> yeah, no, it is kind of funny. Like you, like the harder classes, like for I mean, Jack and I, we took anatomy physiology over the summer. It, at class, it took a lot of time, a lot of studying, but almost like you said, knowledge is power. Like we learned so much about the human body, about the bones, about the veins, the arteries. I was like, wow, this is very, very fascinating. I had to spend a lot of time studying to learn it, but it was so cool learning all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think that is pretty like cool. Note you just said. Not trying to be copycat, but I'd have to say <laughs> the same. I've had bad days since August of 2019, uh, but they wouldn't be necessarily college related sometimes i have problems with my programs um uh but that's uh i don't think that really fits and then you know like 
uh, stuff you might not like that's going on in your life. But I don't think that I don't think it's been like I've, I've never walked out of a class and been like that was harder than like oh man I wish I could be on deployment right now or like oh man <laughs> like, like oh I have to go I have to like go get uh, oh Starbucks is closed I got to go somewhere else I got to go Dunkin oh my god like, you know it's not uh, that I I don't think that I've had a bad day. Um, nothing that stands out. No, I definitely agree with all you guys. Like my time as a college student is far superior than time in the Navy, even though I lived in Hawaii and all that stuff. And I was part of those beautiful beaches and stuff the way, you know, Jack was in Japan. I love being a college student. I love it. Um, but I will say my worst time in college, which like you guys said, wasn't necessarily because of college, but man, when I broke my leg from like pretty soon after separating, Hmm. Oh my gosh, dude. I had a surgery on Thursday and Chem won a class. No, no, I think Chem won. It was organic and biochem oh, on Monday. I went to the community college, so there's enough as many resources, Syracuse, obviously. Mm-hmm. So they combined organic, chem, organic organic chemistry and biochemistry together. Jesus. So I have the semester. Why? Because there's not enough resources. That sounds awful. And uh, luckily, uh, Syracuse. Accepted as organic chemistry, which I think is the harder of the two. Mm. So that's kind of cool. I got that one down mm. on my transcript. But man, dude, having surgery on Thursday, having class on Monday. Luckily, we were in COVID, so everything was remote. Mm. And I had such a good like uh, repertoire with my professor because I took Chem 1 with him. And I did pretty well in the class. So he was like, I told him, I showed him my x-ray. He was like, oh, man, all right. just do. He kind of guided me the steps to get extra time for my tests. I mean, mm. Everything, but dude, it was such a tough time because like all my painkillers they gave me, I couldn't take. I only could only take half of them because if I took all of them, I couldn't concentrate on the stuff. <laughs> I was like, dude, I'm in pain and this is sucks, and I'm in the suck right now. Mm-hmm. But I have, if I really want to leave my community college on on track, I have to go through this. I cannot take a semester off. So like at that point, I had to be greater than my greatest obstacle, which was. A broken leg. I broke it in three places, separated the ankle, tore everything, and I was like, couldn't walk for pretty much a year. But the year was COVID, so I'm not saying that I'm glad COVID happened. <laughs> but you know, you didn't miss out. the timing was nice. Yeah, timing worked out for me a little bit. And I guess people around me told me like, man, you really calmed down as a person during that year. Because I guess when I, you know, when you get out, you're like full blown. Let's do this no matter what. And I guess I was. I didn't think I was like that, but I guess I was. <laughs> And uh, so I guess that was like my worst time while being a student. But again, it wasn't because of college. It's just a time in my college career. Mm-hmm. But overall, I do love college. So I have a question for you guys. If you guys met it's a service member right now that's on the fence, like, man, should I get out? Should I stay in? What advice would you tell them? And why would you tell them that advice? I mean, I, I have a lot of buddies who are still in, and I don't know about you guys, but um the advice that i took uh i kind of stuck to so i had i went through sergeant's course military school that the marine corps gives on it's a leadership course but i had a gunny gunny vickers uh remember this man he is stuck with me we had to do an assignment there's like five different things you got to pick it was like uh family friends like you know the u.s marine corps and then like your unit you had to organize them and like what was the most important to you and all that. And I think a lot of people chose like family and friends and then, you know, like the Marine Corps and blah, blah, blah. Well, you chose the Marine Corps and we're like perplexed. Like, why would you do that? And he's like, basically said like, wherever the Marine Corps tells you to go, like you're going, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. Like you get up and go. And like, it stuck with me because what he says, like they're going to get theirs. And it's like, oh damn, damn, he's right. So, um, by this point I had already re-enlisted cause I was going to go MSG. 
um, where I was tempting anyways at the time. What's MSG? Marine security guard. So we did embassy duty. So I was in Africa and I got to go Vietnam for it, which was really cool. Um, but I, I, I only stuck in because of that because my monitor called me right before I was about to get out because I was debating whether to sign the line again or not. And he's like, hey, you either take this, go with it, or you're out of it because if you do it, someone else is losing their spot. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna get, I want to get what I want. So I d- ended up signing up for it. And I tell everyone, it's like, stay in if you think there's an opportunity you can advance or there's something that you want and then go get it. If there's not then and you don't like it, then transition out because there's going to be other things in that. Like, obviously, if you don't like it now, you're not going to like it again when you reenlist. But if there's something out there that you want, get what you can while you're in and then take what you get and get out. So that's my advice. And I tell my guys, the guys I talk to that all the time. So That's pretty sound advice. Mm-hmm. Jack, anything you would tell, like, someone on the fence? Like, Jack, you know, you did it. How you love college? You know, do you miss it? What, like, what would you tell them? Tell them to come to Syracuse. I actually did uh, just have a, a friend reach out. And um, I think it's important that they look at where they are as an individual in their point of time. And I think how old they are is is an important factor. Um, Why do you say that? Why does age matter? Well, I think there's a difference between, you know, signing a contract when you're a senior in high school and then doing four to six years and then being faced with the decision instead of, you know, reenlisting for four years. Now you are in your mid to late 20s. You know, obviously, you know, life occurs at your own pace for everyone, everyone. But I think if you have if you're on the fence now when you're younger, what is going to stop you from being on the fence when you're older? If you're going to get out, if you're flirting with the idea of getting out, I think it would be better to get out while you are younger instead of doing another two year to four year and then being in the same place almost that you are when you could have been, you know, six years younger. Uh, that kind of applies to college, I think, you know, how far removed you are from school. So you're saying I, you'll have an easier time transitioning? Not necessarily. Uh, I think it's just if you're flirting with getting out while you are younger, you have to understand that is your what's going to make you change your mind to stay in when you're older. So like, are you still going to be on the fence after your reenlistment is done? Okay. If you're always going to be on the fence, I think you have to make a decision. Obviously, you can always wait until your reenlistment is done and then get out again. There's nothing wrong with that, but because I, I did, I, that's what I. That was my mindset when I got out. I said I am 22 when I'm getting out. If I reenlist or extend, this is how old I will be. Why sign another contract and then another one and then just get out? Because really, it all comes down to can you do 20? So if you look at an NCO above you, I think they were a, a good picture to to paint. I guess, of if you should stay in. Because if the majority of the NCOs say you're not big fans of them, they're unhappy, Are you? do you want to stay in? Happiness comes from your own, your own self for the most part. But I think there's a lot of other factors that are very present in your day-to-day life that you can use to determine if you want to stay in. If you are happy and content where you are, absolutely stay in. But if you wake up every day and you're like, I can't wait for this to be over, or... I don't like my job, then I think you should get out. And also, like, nothing's, like, guaranteed in the military. When I was getting out, because I was very much wanted to stay in and do the specific FARP job that I was doing. 
that was not guaranteed because they would just ship me to another base. If that wasn't there, then I wasn't doing it. But, you know, base of preference, if you re-enlist, you can get, oh, you, you might get the base that you want, but you might not, but you still have to re-enlist, you know? So you're always flipping a coin, like, oh, is it gonna work out for me? Is it not? And you have to think, well, if it doesn't work out for me and I'm still stuck, am I gonna be still happy that I made that decision? And for me, it was no. So I say if things around you aren't what you want, there's a whole nother life that the military, I think the military tries to forget that there's that whole civilian life and jobs and you can literally do anything that you want. Yeah. And all of the, just because that person is doing 20 does not mean that I need to do 20. Yes. And they always, I feel like when they, people are getting out, you get looked at a little different Mm -hmm. by your upper leaders. Like, why are you getting out? You don't love you don't love your job every day. You like, you don't love coming in and <laughs> and doing everything I tell you to do. Like no, I don't. And you don't dislike me for want not loving the service and, and wanting me to destroy my body. They were the role models that I didn't want to be. So that's, uh, that makes a lot of sense. And it's kind of like a, I have two things to say. One, that's kind of crazy that you're in the FARP community for a while, and that doesn't guarantee you to be in the FARP community. You would your time. you would expect that you know after receiving you took a lot of X, training X for X that right of dollars from the government to receive the training and the equipment that I did receive that they would try to get some return on their investment and guarantee because there's only five bases in the military that offer FARP there are a, a few other one or two exceptions but there are five bases like I said I was lucky enough to go to one but I was not lucky enough. Or I could have been. I didn't want to test my luck. Yeah. So I got out because cool. nothing nothing was guaranteed. That makes sense. Andreas, any, uh, any teeter-tottering uh, service member right there you would get advice to? Yeah, I'll, I'll say two things about this. First off, I'm going to talk about my little brother. Uh, he's in the Air Force right now. And the uh, uh, second thing I'll say about this is that you'd be surprised. I think people... If they're asking for advice, have oftentimes made their own decision mm-hmm. and either want to be confirmed or be heavily persuaded away from what they've already decided. Mm-hmm. So my little brother's a crew chief, F-16 crew chief in the Air Force, uh, down in Eglin Air Force Base. And what I tell him when he's thinking about getting out um, is make sure that you, you talk about they're going to get theirs. Make sure you've gotten yours mm-hmm. as well. Make sure that you do, for example, um, if someone's offered medical separation uh, during school or something, if you can reach three years so you can get your benefits. Um, the VA is going to give you a hard time, you know, if you did 18 months. You can still do a whole lot of service in 18 months. Um, but, you know, three years is often the, the cutoff for a lot of that. So make sure you get yours. Uh, school as well. Like, if you're trying, if you're able to take advantage of TA, I wasn't able to on the ship. I don't know if you guys were able to do any TA, but um, the Navy has, like, tuition assistance. Yeah, but you weren't able to do it on a ship. Why not? No, no, no. So I was able to take one class, yeah. but it was, like, a, a remote um, obviously it's going to be remote, but it was a, like they sent me a CD or a set of CDs and I did like an econ class on my computer when I was, uh, out. Okay. Um, but like when I got back, I was like, Oh, I'm going to do ASU online. That's how my wife got her degree. Cause she did like three quarters of it while she was in. It's like, Oh, I'm going to do ASU online, finish my degree and save all of my GI bill. I'm going to go to grad school like three times. Watch me. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. but I couldn't, I didn't let me sign up for any, any classes. Uh, it's Sounds both big Navy, but also the ship, which was just a rough ship. I just, like I'm going to, 
like continue. I was talking to this ad like that. You, just, you were kind of shocked. I'm like, why can't you do it? Yeah. No, it is extremely hard. I try, I went into like the re, the veteran res, I mean the Navy resources to start that program. A chief happened to be in there who did get his. He was saying for 23 years, so he got his degree. Mm-hmm. Oh man, uh, put it officer. Uh, I was at E5, so put it officer Rosica. Uh, why why don't you come through me? Why don't you come through me for this? Like, oh, I just want to do my own thing. I got to get directly uh, the information. No, no, I'll handle it for you. Okay, I'll trust you. I guess <laughs> nothing happened. Yep. So I was like, wow, this is uh, this is exactly what I want to avoid, and <laughs> yeah. this happened. There's a lot of politics on a ship. Um, so so that's one thing that I would say. Uh, make sure you you get out of whatever branch you're in um, before you get out. Now, of course, in the Navy, they wanted me to, you know, they were like, oh, re-enlist. If I had to re-enlist, I would have had to have done another three years on the same ship with that leadership uh, chain of command. And I was like, you know what? No, I'm out of here. Uh, and I had a senior chief that was like, you could very well, you could very well be homeless. You know, like, you're not, like, you're not going to be able to find a job. Like, you could really struggle. And I was like, my guy, I'm going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and I got out and I was able to, we moved down to Austin and uh, we actually used to have a bus that we kind of turned into an RV. We drove a little bus down to Austin. I was bartending on 6th Street, uh, like bar backing, but also got into bartending a little bit. And, you know, I was loving it. And I was thinking to myself, like, I didn't, I never reached out to him. I wasn't, you know, mean to him because he was, a, he was overall like a pretty good leader, pretty good senior for me. But, uh, you know, I always wanted to say like, Oh man, I'm homeless. Please, like, can I have some money? No, I'm doing okay. Thank you. Um, now I, you know, I thought about sending him like my my, my Maxwell or Johns Hopkins acceptance letters. Like, I'm going to be okay, man. Thanks, um, dude. Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Just like no, no, I feel no, no. parallel Please. a lot, and um, so I feel like I don't really tell you guys this in your branches, but maybe I feel like I told if you separate, you're just going to end up doing non manly things under a bridge. Yep. Mm, mm-hmm. Or you're going to be doing the same exact thing that you're doing now because you have no other skills and you can't do anything else. So, like, I was a CS. And so, like, oh, you're going to work in food service when you get out. That's what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Yes, it just so happened that bartending is considered food service. <laughs> I would consider it. There's, unfortunately, no bars on a ship. So, I would say that it was very different. But, um, you know, and what we do here is obviously vastly different. But uh, it just didn't make any sense to me. Anyways. Um, so toxic in the military. It is. Like, it is. Higher leadership's the worst. You'd think that you'd want to instill confidence in yeah. your, in your, you know, in the men and women that you're overseeing. But anyways, um, we'll do a whole other podcast on leadership. How about Absolutely. that? The, the second thing I want to say is a lot of people have already made that decision. So it's not so much if someone came to me, said, hey, Andres, or as they would know me, Trejo, CS3, whatever. I'm thinking about getting out. Um, if someone was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to get out or not, uh, you know, I'm trying to make this decision. I would tell them there's a high like there's a high likelihood that you've already made the decision, and it's like either highly subconscious and you don't realize it, or you realize it but you're not willing to say it. Be courageous. You know, if you want to stay in, stay in and do it. Like I believe in you. Uh, do 20. Cool. Uh, but if you want to get out, I don't think there's a, like a, a one size fits all answer. If you want to get out, uh, do research, be thinking, you know, 12 to 18 months ahead of time. Uh, when you get out of the Navy, I think other branches have it too. Like you can sign up for internships and learn a new skill. Like a, I think it's called like skill bridge, um, and learn something new when you get out. If you don't want to do what you were doing before or look into schools, make sure I have a really good friend, my, probably my best friend from DLI. He got out and he was applying to colleges a little late moving back to, to LA. Um, uh, and colleges weren't taking people for the fall anymore. And so, you know, he's going to stick th- with ASU for right now, a 
perfectly good place to get your degree, but it wasn't his plan wasn't prepared for. And so if he had thought about that earlier and researched it more, then he would have been better off. So that's what I would say to people. Mm -hmm. If you're asking me, you probably have made made the decision. Research what your options are and be courageous and and grab life by the horns, as as they say, and just go after it. and and really jump into it. Don't don't hesitate. Because getting out, you need to be all all in. There's no like oh, I'm going to wait until my last week and then I'm going to look into something. Like yeah. you need to plan ahead of time. Because it's another thing too. You know they will look at you differently for the last. As soon as you say I'm not signing, I'm going to get out. People will look at you differently. But that doesn't mean you're not working until your terminal leave starts or whatever. So you you don't get that time to say oh, I'm going to go on a trip and like can I get a, like a week off? I'm going to go travel and interview somewhere they're like no we're going underway mm-hmm. i don't care that you're not going on the next one you got to go on this one so there's you got to be prepared for that too that's what i would tell somebody they probably already made the decision yeah just cap off of both uh, uh you and jack said it is kind of unfortunate that once you tell your command you're getting out they really just don't care about you and they're almost like try other way to make you work more while you're there. Like, <laughs> no, we're going to get every single ounce out of you. Yeah, your morale doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. We know you're going to be gone in <laughs> six months. Yeah. Um, so I think for me, if someone's teeter-tottering between the decision, I would say, like, look, whoever's been in your job 15 years longer than you. Mm-hmm. If you want that life, stay. <laughs> Perfectly stay. Mozart is a great place to, to uh, you know, do a lot in, in, as an adult. Mm-hmm. But if you don't want the life, you don't want those injuries, you don't want that mental stress, you don't want to be bald, you don't want to <laughs> do whatever. Successful marriage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, have kids that don't know you. Yeah. Real quick, if I could say I had a master chief, within the same 24 hours, was yelling at us, asking us why everyone was trying to get out, and told me in a personal meeting when I told him I needed to skip an underway, take use my leave that I have, because my wife was having surgery. Leave is just uh, vacation days. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Um I'm just only going to speak in acronyms for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> but uh, And then within the same 24 hours of not understanding, being absolutely flabbergasted that we wanted to get out, telling us that, or telling me privately, uh, not privately, anonymously, but just one-on-one, that he had not been there for any of his children being born. And so it's like, well, you, you kind of answered your own question there. Yeah. Like some of us yeah. want to be there for our kids or our spouses or our own life. And so... You know, it's service. It's called service for a reason. You're, it's not easy. So I appreciate those who are still in. Thank you. But, you know, it's not for everyone. So yeah. Yeah, no, it's definitely not for anyone. Do you want to add something? I do just want to say, like, um, I hope for you as well. Not all of we've been only talking about bad leadership for the most part. Mm-hmm. Like all of this, there are plenty of very good leaders yeah. in the military, and not all of them sat there and. And looked at me like, wow, you're getting out. It's such a disappointment. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? Some of them asked me what I was doing, made sure I had a plan, and said, hey, you have a good plan. Mm-hmm. I wish you the best of luck. And there are plenty of, of leaders that are like that. Yeah. But unfortunately, there are many of the other higher-ranking members that will just look at you and, and again, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. they don't believe in you. It doesn't matter if they mm-hmm. don't believe in me. Like, if you believe in you, like... What is what is Sergeant So and So doing? He's still doing the same thing that you were doing two years ago, four years ago. So no, totally, yeah. I had one E five that super duper believed in me, and I still keep up with him all the time and talk to him on a weekly basis. Uh, One guy that was like always had my back, kept me on a plan, versus the you know ten or fifteen people who doubt you. I think that's. I mean, oftentimes you just need one guy that one person that just has your back. Yeah. Yeah. 
I would say this to like to your point, you should uh, plan accordingly. If you work at McDonald's, it's not McDonald's job to prepare you for the next job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't rely on the military to prepare you for separation. Like they'll do what they have to do, <laughs> but they're not gonna like, hey, make sure you apply these college, make sure you apply these oh. jobs. Mm-hmm. It's on you, the service member, to do what you have to do to be successful in the civilian life. Just because you went with, like three deployments and you're like a just a bad dude or woman <laughs> doesn't equate perfectly to civilian. Like you're gonna have to do stuff. You're almost like you're not starting from step one, but you're not gonna say, "Hey, I was an E8 in the military. <laughs> I am a badass." Yeah. No, like people are not gonna care. Cool, sit down. We're all here. Yes, yeah, wear that like a badge, though. <laughs> yeah. The right. TAPS program, tuition, or sorry, transition yeah. assistance program. Yeah, we got, we called it TRS in the Marines. So, I mean, I think that's considerably, obviously I wasn't in 10 years ago, but they brought in bunches, tons of people to talk, and it was like a three-day, or it was like a week-long thing. I didn't have to do the last two days because I would had already been accepted. But going back to what you said, they don't do it for you. Mm-hmm. They don't apply to schools for you. They don't apply two jobs for you they don't do skill bridge for you they tell you what's available they have people come in and talk about what's available so the tools they do do a good job at supplying some tools but they certainly won't do it for you yeah so i went through the same taps in 2019 and you know you probably went in 2020 or and i you're right they do give you a lot of information but it's almost like they should have two different types like hey if you're going to be a student Go to this tabs, and if you're gonna be go straight to work for it, be in this tabs because out of 100 percent, 95 percent of it was people go straight to work. Mm-hmm. There's like five percent of talking about about like going to college, and they remember, hey, there's a GI bill out there for you if you want to use it. Like it was not useful. <laughs> I feel at like least for mine. I feel like you could use that to like people transitioning out though too. Like let them know that like everyone said that when you get out of the military and like what the leadership says, no no one's there like watch over you. Like, in the military, I think we all agreed, like, your hands kind of held through the whole thing. Like, whether you're an E8 or, like, an 06, like, your hands being held by someone else. Like, they're walking through your steps. Like, you need to go to medical? All right, go. Your teeth are dirty. Go to the dentist, you know? No one, no one's telling you to do that. Your room that. is so dirty. Like, yeah, clean it up, man. Like, get rid of these pizza boxes. There's cockroaches in it. You, yeah. Like, no one, no one in the civilian world is doing that for you. And I think a lot of people need to realize that in the service. Like, once you get out, like, it's, it's not only, it's, it's you. Like, you have to do everything for yourself. So you have to be able to be self-dependent, independent, you know? No, 100% right. So. Yes or no, if you could go back, would you still separate? Absolutely. Jack? Yes. Dre? 200%, yes. Mm-hmm. Great. So. What about you? Oh, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, 100%. Um, any last thing you want to just put out there? No, I mean, I... Favorite you know, quote that helped you, whatever. Book, it doesn't matter. No, I mean, just looking back on it, you know, uh, my parents have always they said proud of my serv- service and whatnot, and going back and talking to people about my service, you know, I'm proud of what I did. Like, you know, I think, I think a lot of us can probably... We're, I won't say we're humble, but like, you know, like I didn't really do anything or blase, blase. You know, I'm proud of what I was able to accomplish and what I did. You know, looking back as like, you know what? That was actually cool. I was reading a book, I believe, last last year. And I read a quote that now I kind of apply. You know, there's not a whole lot of leaders. I mean, there are in my daily life. But, you know, I interact with teachers, good to bad, especially in the college, you know, format. The quote from the book that kind of stuck for me was, great leaders show you how to think, not what to think. 
mm-hmm. and I kind of look at I take weeders out and just see teachers because some teachers will just sit there and be like this is this this is this this is this this is this learn it or don't then others will teach you like how to actually think the process through going along lines of you know how they view some teachers just view things differently and they try to push it but I think that quote itself good leaders show you how to think not what to think you know that one stuck with me that's pretty solid yeah but well how is it being a grad student and having a baby at home it's fantastic it's possible like if you're a a service member like i have a kid but i want to go to college is it possible very possible and you know what i think that actually reminds me there is something i say and it sounds i mean obviously a lot of people say you can do it but i say to my wife all the time you can do it and uh i really mean it and i i think that it's something that you know it sounds it sounds like everyone says it like a lot of people say oh you can do it bro like oh yeah come on I really mean it. Like if you if you put your head to it, you can do it. If if it's an attainable thing, like you know, whether like anything college related, uh, set your sights high. I think uh, you, whoever's listening, you'd be surprised uh, at what you're capable of doing if you just like set some goals and and, and figure out how to approach it. Mm-hmm. There's a, you can have a plan for something and and you can make a lot attainable. I'm sure there's a question like service members like, wow, I have a kid, can I do this? And yeah. you are with a kid. Proof. Yeah. yeah, Syracuse is pretty good about it too. Um, for me, more more so for me than, than when my wife was pregnant. But yeah, I think uh, with a kid or with a, a military spouse or when your spouse is in, in grad school too or, or college in general, it's totally doable. So I think like any transitioning member, I would say when you get out, just live in the present but plan for the future. Just because you're a couple of years older than a traditional student doesn't mean you can't join the club. Doesn't mean you can't get involved in the school. Being involved doesn't make your time a lot better. And it is a learning curve. Some, most veterans are not like that off the, like, the first semester. It'll take time to get, just get used to it. Like, you know, like uh, Raphael said, it's, you build confidence as you do better in school. Yeah. And it's, it'll be the exact same thing. Well, I want to thank all you guys for uh, joining the fourth episode of Deep Dive. Amen. And, you know, my name is Rudy Rosica. If you have any questions, my Instagram is Foods the Motive. Feel free to ask me anything. Thank you. Oh, thank uh, thank you for having us.